the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. When we sin, when we rebel against God, we we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? You guys have felt that. When you've done something you know you're not supposed to do, and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You feel the conviction over your sin. You feel the conviction of righteousness. You know, rightness. That you're not right. What you're doing is not right. You have felt the conviction of judgment or the consequence of sin. As a Christian, you can count on the Holy Spirit letting you know when you've sinned. You feel it in your heart and soul. Today, Pastor Dan teaches you the importance of recognizing that nudge from God. He helps you understand that Jesus wants you to live a pure and godly life and that He's there to help you in any way He can. This doesn't mean it'll be easy, though. You'll fail and fall into sin, but what's important is that you get up and try to do better. Never accept or settle for the sins in your life. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 34, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. continuing our journey through the Old Testament. In chapter 34, the the kingdom of Judah is about to die. As we've seen in the book of Jeremiah in recent weeks, uh, at this point the Babylonians were laying siege to the city of Jerusalem uh, and really all of the cities of Judah. In fact, at this point, there are only three cities that remain in Judah that the Babylonians have not conquered. The three cities are uh, Lachish, or Lachish, Zekah, and Jerusalem. And those are the only three cities left. The rest of the cities in Judah have been conquered. Uh, so the final collapse of, of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, is drawing near. And as we've seen throughout the book of Jeremiah, this destruction is the result of their rebellion. Just their stubborn rebellion against God. And God has warned them throughout the book, through the prophet Jeremiah, that there would be consequences for their rebellion. And you remember uh, that Jeremiah himself is, is in prison at this point. He's been imprisoned by King Zedekiah for trying to warn King Zedekiah and the people of Jerusalem of this coming judgment. And Zedekiah didn't like his message. And so Zedekiah threw him into prison. Uh, so as, as Jeremiah is in prison, the Babylonians are outside the city wall of Jerusalem. They're building siege ramps to 
enter into the city. They've cut off the city. So there's famine in the city. There's disease in the city. And it's just a matter of time at this point before the Babylonians conquer the city and destroy Jerusalem and carry the people of Judah off as slaves to Babylon. Verse 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army, all the kingdoms of the earth under his dominion, and all the people fought against Jerusalem, and all its cities, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and tell him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. Remember, we've talked about this in the past. We even showed some pictures a few weeks back of Evidence that archaeologists have found of Jerusalem being burned by the Babylonians. And you shall not escape from his hand, but shall surely be taken and delivered into his hand. Your eyes shall see the eyes of the king of Babylon. He shall speak with you face to face and you shall go to Babylon. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah. He's pleading with him. To listen to God. Thus says the Lord concerning you. You shall not die by the sword. Which is what you would expect. If he's saying, you know, the Babylonians are going to conquer you. You're going to see the king of Babylon face to face. He's going to carry you off to Babylon. Well, you would think he's going to perish, be executed by the sword. You shall die in peace. As in the ceremonies of your fathers, whenever a king would die, they would have, you know, a state funeral and have a big ceremony for the king. Zedekiah will die in Babylon, but historically we know that when he dies, the king of Babylon throws a funeral for him, a state funeral to honor him as the king of Judah. So he, even though he dies in Babylon, he still has, he still dies in peace And he has the ceremony of his fathers, the former kings who were before you, so they shall burn incense for you and lament for you, saying, Alas, Lord, for I have pronounced the word, says the Lord. Then Jeremiah, the prophet, spoke all these words to Zedekiah, king of Judah and Jerusalem, when the king of Babylon's army fought against Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah that were left against Lachish, and Azekah, for only these fortified cities remained of the cities of Judah. We know historically at this time, there was something like 46 cities of Judah, but only three remain. One of them being Jerusalem, and then Lachish and Azekah are the only three cities, fortified cities, that remain. If you look back in verse 1, It says that the king of Babylon and all of his army and all the kingdoms of the earth that are under his dominion fought against Jerusalem. And when the king of Babylon would conquer a nation, he would then take the the army of that nation and require them to fight alongside his army. And so he has all of these nations that he's conquered. He has their armies now together with his army attacking Jerusalem. And we see here, he gives this message to Zedekiah. 
that Jerusalem will fall. It'll be burned with fire. That, that's new information. I don't know if we've had that yet. That it will be burned with fire. And that verse 3, Zedekiah himself will not escape. He'll be captured. He'll, he'll be carried off to Babylon and he'll die in Babylon. Now, this is the same message that the Lord has said to Zedekiah in the past. He's repeating the same message to Zedekiah. This is the same message that landed Jerusalem or uh, Jeremiah in prison. It's the same message. Now why why does God keep telling Zedekiah the same message over and over? God keeps telling Zedekiah this message to give Zedekiah and the people of Jerusalem the opportunity to repent and to turn back to God. To repent of their sins. To save the city from ruin. God's desire for the people of Jerusalem is that they would repent of their sins and that their relationship with God would be restored. And so God kept warning the people of Jerusalem of the consequences of their rebellion. He kept warning them over and over the same message, like a broken record that's just repeating the same message over and over And he keeps repeating that message to them of what the consequences will be of the rebellion all the way up to the point that the Babylonians are now attacking the city. And he's still declaring the same message to them while the city is under siege. In the New Testament, Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And when we sin, when we rebel against God, we, we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? You guys have felt that. When you've done something you know you're not supposed to do, and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You feel the conviction over your sin. You feel the conviction of righteousness. You know, rightness. And that you're not right, and what you're doing is not right. You have felt the conviction of judgment or the consequence of sin. And the Holy Spirit, when we sin, when we rebel, when we start doing things that we shouldn't do, and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us begins to convict us of that, and the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us alone about it, right? The Holy Spirit just keeps working on us and working on us and working on our hearts. The Holy Spirit doesn't give us rest just convicts us over and over without giving up to try to convince us to repent. And that's God's heart. That's God's heart towards sinners. That's God's heart towards us. He pursues us relentlessly. He's not willing that any would perish in their sin, but that all would come to repentance and salvation and reconciliation with God. And so we see here, it's the same message. It's the same warning once again. God is pleading with the king of Judah to repent so that the city can be saved. Again, in verse 3, he says, you shall not escape from his hand, speaking to Zedekiah, but shall surely be taken and delivered into his hand. Your eyes shall see the eyes of the king of Babylon, and he shall speak with you face to face, and you shall go to Babylon Yet hear the word of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah. Thus says the Lord concerning you, you shall not die by the sword. You shall die in peace 
as in the ceremonies of your fathers, the former kings who were before you, so shall they burn incense for you and lament for you, saying, Alas, Lord, for I have pronounced the word, says the Lord. We know from elsewhere in the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 25, if you're taking notes, that Zedekiah, he tried to escape from the city of Jerusalem. The Babylonians pursued him. They captured him. The Babylonian king executed Zedekiah's sons right before his eyes. And then he gouged out the eyes of Zedekiah. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. The last thing Zedekiah would see would be the death of his sons. And then Zedekiah was carried off to Babylon, just as the Lord warned him over and over. And he died in captivity in Babylon, where again, as I mentioned, the the king of Babylon had a a state funeral uh, for him that was fit for a king. Verse 6 says, Then Jeremiah the prophet spoke all these words to Zedekiah, king of Judah in Jerusalem, when the king of Babylon's army fought against Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah that were left against Lachish, Hezekiah, for only these fortified cities remained of the cities of Judah. And, you know, you have to say that Jeremiah was a very courageous prophet. He remained faithful to God's word. He's faithfully preaching this message that landed him in prison. He doesn't back off the message, even though this, this message got him in, in trouble. He doesn't stop declaring God's word or he doesn't change the message or water it down so that it's not so offensive to Zedekiah and the people of Jerusalem. He didn't tone it down, but he just faithfully delivered the message of God. Even even as he's in prison, he's still faithfully delivering the message of God. He's not he's not compromising. He's not changing the message And I think Jeremiah is a good example for us of staying faithful to God's word, even if it gets us into some kind of trouble, even if it costs us something to stay faithful to God's word, we stay faithful to God's word. And we don't compromise on it, no no matter what happens. You know, it's, it's better to fear God than to fear man. Jeremiah feared God more than he feared the king, Zedekiah. Verse 7, it says, again, it mentions the, the, uh, Babylon's army had conquered all the cities except for Lachish and Azekah. These two cities, Lachish and Azekah, were were right about 20 miles from Jerusalem. They were to the west of Jerusalem and to the southwest of Jerusalem in the hill country or the area known as the uh, Shefla or Shephelah. And it was this, this hill country. And the reason that they're mentioned here 
that they're the only two remaining cities in Judah that the Babylonians had not conquered yet. They will conquer them. One of the reasons they're mentioned here is because these two cities were very strategic cities geographically. These two cities controlled the highway that came up from the south, from Egypt. And so once Nebuchadnezzar conquers those two cities, Lachish and Azekah, he's got total control of the highway. And he will be able to prevent the Egyptians, which is it's another superpower, he'll be able to prevent the Egyptians from invading into the land of Israel from the south. Once he conquers Lachish and Azekah, he's got total dominance now, total control. In modern warfare, you know, you hear about air superiority, gaining control of the air before you send troops on the ground. And that's important. Well, that's that's the equivalent here in the ancient world. This is a version of that. But instead, of course, instead of establishing air superiority, the Babylonians, they want to control the major highways so they can keep any other army out, in particular, the Egyptians. And these two cities were to the south and to the west. And they controlled that road coming up from Egypt. So once they're able to capture these two cities, then they have Jerusalem completely cut off and the people of Judah cut off where nobody is going to be able to get to them to help them. They're on their own against the Babylonians. So that's why they're mentioned here. Verse 8 says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant. Now watch what it says. He made a covenant with all the people who were at Jerusalem to proclaim liberty to them, that every man should set free his male and female slave, a Hebrew man or woman, that no one should keep a Jewish brother in bondage. Now when all the princes and all the people who had entered into the covenant heard that everyone should set free his male and female slaves, that no one should keep them in bondage anymore, they obeyed. And let them go. But, verse 11, afterward, they changed their minds and made their male and female slaves return, whom they had set free and brought them into subjection as male and female slaves. Now, according to the law of Moses, uh, a Jewish slave owner, a Jewish master, had to free his Hebrew slave at the end of six years. You could only keep the slave for six years. If you want to turn with me back to Exodus chapter 21. We'll look at a couple passages together about this. Exodus 21. So this is, this is what their law says about owning a Hebrew slave. Exodus 21 verse 1. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant. So it's a fellow Hebrew He shall serve six years and in the seventh year he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. Now look at verse five. But if the servant plainly says I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. 
Then his master shall bring him to the judges of the city. He shall also bring him to the door or the doorpost. And he shall and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl. You guys know what an awl is, right? It's like a screwdriver that comes to a point. Pierce his ear with an awl. He should bring him to the door of the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl. So he's going to lean up against the doorpost of the house. And the kids, kids, you guys can do this tonight when you get home from church. You know, you can do it to each other. Just lean up against the doorpost, the door frame, and put that all up there and give it a good whack. And he shall serve him forever. And it goes on here to talk about the laws concerning slaves. So, to, so if you have a Hebrew slave, you're to keep him for six years or keep her for six years, and then you set that slave free. Unless, unless verse 5, that slave says, you know what, I love my master, and my master provides a better life for me than I can provide for myself, I'd rather stay here and serve my master instead of going free on my own. Because the life I have here serving my master is better than any life I can provide for myself. Then you do that voluntarily, and then you would have your ear pierced by your master in front of the judges of the city. So you're declaring to the judges of the city, I'm choosing to be a slave for the rest of my life to this master. That was called a bondservant or a doulos. In the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul talks about himself and he talks about us, he describes us as bondservants to Jesus Christ. We're slaves by choice because Jesus provides a better life for us than we can provide for ourselves. And we're better off serving him than trying to make it on our own in this world. And so we voluntarily enter into this relationship where we agree to serve Jesus for the rest of our lives as bond servants, slaves by choice, because we love our master and he, because he's so good to us. Now, flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 15, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of your Bible, Deuteronomy 15, verse 12. If your brother a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing. I command you this thing today. And if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you, then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear to the door, and he shall be your servant forever. Also to your female servants, you shall do likewise. So here again, the command is after six years, you let the slave go free. And the the master is commanded to to not let them go away empty handed, but supply him liberally. And the reason you were to let your slave go free and the reason you were to supply for their, their needs is because the children of Israel were once slaves in Egypt themselves. He asked me how I know, and I said,
The book of Jeremiah entails many prophecies given to the people of Israel, but they weren't just commands of judgment and consequence. Within these pages, Jeremiah gives insight into the coming promises that Jesus would offer by coming and fulfilling a new covenant of redemption for all people. What's interesting is that Jeremiah poured his heart and soul out as he wrote this book. It wasn't just a dry dissertation of what people should do or what should come about. Jeremiah was a living and breathing person during the time of siege and exile, and he felt deeply for the people and nation he was a part of. His empathy for his kinsmen should resonate with you as you're part of a larger group of people in a nation and ultimately part of God's family. Is there a stirring within you to see those who are lost come to have a saving knowledge of Christ? If so, you might be able to relate to Jeremiah more than you thought. If you're enjoying this series through the book of Jeremiah and would like to hear more teachings, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. In addition to listening to these teachings, you can access more information about the church behind this ministry. Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. As a church, our heart is geared towards spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with. And we welcome anyone to worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. For service times and location, check out calvaryec.com. Thanks for joining us today. Next time, we'll continue looking at the book of Jeremiah here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know His voice and it only takes Rings true.